The Federated States of Micronesia is the latest of three North Pacific U.S. countries to sign an MOU with Washington, D.C. as they negotiate the renewal of economic support through their respective compacts of free association with the United States. Micronesia's president, David Panuelo, signed the MOU last week, while the leaders of Palau and the Marshall Islands signed theirs last month. Mr. Panuelo, in a speech addressing the country, said FSM stands to gain a significant increase in funding from the U.S. During the amended comeback period from 2003 to 2023, the FSM received on an annual basis approximately $80 million per year in sector grants. During our new comeback period from 2024 to 2044, the FSM will receive on an annual basis $140 million per year in sector grants. The money from these sector grants do not just sit at the national government. They go directly to the states and directly to fund our schools, our hospitals and infrastructure. We can expect that in the next comeback period, we will be able to provide much better education, health, and infrastructure services to our citizens, including pay level rises for teachers and doctors, and more and better supplies for our schools and health centers. Over the next 20-year period, the FSM will see $2.8 billion in direct sector grant assistance that will directly benefit our states in tremendous ways. Caleb Fotheringham speaks with RNZ Pacific's Marshall Islands correspondent Giff Johnson about the significance of FSM signing off on the Memorandum of Understanding, which forms the basis for what will become the third edition of its Compact of Free Association with the United States. From the standpoint of the United States, it's quite significant that it has now signed a memorandum of of understanding with the Federated States of Micronesia because it's the last of the three to sign a a similar MOU. Both Palau and the Marshall Islands had signed their Compact of Free Association MOUs uh, several weeks ago. And the Federated States of Micronesia had some outstanding issues. And then following a visit to Washington by uh, FSM President David Ponwello, uh, like 10 days, two weeks ago or so, uh, they managed to iron it out and they signed this past weekend. So from the U.S. point of view, it now has agreement in principle from all three of the uh, freely associated states in the North Pacific, which is a big plus for the U.S. side. And for the Federated States of Micronesia, if you listen to President Ponuelo's speech to the nation, which he put out over the weekend, I mean, he obviously feels that they have gotten an excellent deal. He announced the money figures And it sounds like they've got a pretty good financial response from the U.S. For all three of the freely associated states, there are some really key issues that still are not decided on and must be agreed to before the full compacts of free association for each of the three islands will be signed off on.
In terms of the outstanding issues that FSM had, do you have any idea what they were? Well, this is somewhat similar, at least for the FSM in Palau. The issues are a bit similar, and that is a really key concern is what they call the Fiscal Procedures Agreement, which is the agreement that controls how U.S. funding is spent. And during the current and soon expiring 20-year agreement, Federated States of Micronesia and the Marshall Islands have really disliked the setup because it gives the U.S. a three-to-two majority, and the islands don't like it. And then they look to Palau, which didn't sign its compact at the same time 20 years ago. It waited, saw what played out for the FSM and the marshals, and used that to get a better set up the, the financial side of it. So they have a completely different system, which is far superior from the point of view of like island financial decision making. This is a stumbling block that both the uh, Marshall Islands and the FSM uh, have said, that, you know, that, that some changes, changes have to be made to that. And whether they still have leverage to get changes based on now having signed agreements in principle about the amounts that'll be provided, I don't know. And that's kind of an open question at this point. But there's still a lot of the details, and and particularly for the Marshall Islands, a lot of detail is still to be negotiated and put into black and white. So the FSM is unique because it shares diplomatic ties with both China and the U.S. Does this make its compact any different to the others? The FSM's dual China and U.S. uh, diplomatic ties don't make it different totally, but in a way it gives it a bit of leverage since it's the only one of the three freely associated states that do have ties with China, which means it has a a Chinese embassy in its capital, Pompei. So there's official diplomatic presence in the FSM. And I would say from the U.S. point of view, while the Marshall Islands is significant because it has the Kwajalein missile range, which is the most important missile testing range that the United States operates, uh, and Palau has its security value in part due to its proximity to Asia, even though it doesn't particularly have active military bases. But the proximity offers various things. And I know that Palau and U.S. officials have been discussing expansion of things there. Meanwhile, the FSM has never had a U.S. military presence, but the diplomatic ties with China in the current geopolitical competition really does give them a bit more leverage. And I think it certainly raises the FSM's visibility in Washington. And I think the uh, U.S. Is, has, been, has shown great willingness to work with President Manuelo and to move this process along. Uh, I mean, the U.S. is the one that's pushed very hard on these deadlines to try to get these uh, preliminary agreements signed, and it's been successful. Uh, The Palau and the Marshalls signed 
theirs last month, and now the FSM has just signed its. You said that FSM's president was almost, I don't know if you use the word boasting, but he was talking about how much money he's going to receive with this compact. Do you think part of the reason he got so much is because of the relationship with China and him using that leverage almost as you were talking about? Here's the thing. The freely associated states have gone through three phases. And when the initial compacts were being first negotiated in the 1970s and into the early 80s, we had the overlay of the Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. That gave a certain amount of leverage and visibility to the islands and increase their strategic value to the United States. So there was some leverage and that helped the islands. Then as the first compact uh, wound down in the early 2000s, the Cold War was over, the Berlin Wall had come down, and essentially these islands were kind of backwatered by Washington. And I think they were just considered, well, they're in the fold. And the, the, the compact relationship is a long-term treaty, right? The only thing that's expiring are the financial provisions. So the, the fact that defense control and authority, it's ongoing. Uh, so Washington just kind of backburnered the islands. And in the second compacts, you know, it was able to get a lot of concessions that maybe it couldn't have gotten in, in during the Cold War negotiations. Well, here we are, you know, the last three, four years with the new geopolitical situation between China and the U.S. So that's elevated the leverage of the islands, even if the leverage may still be relatively modest. The visibility in Washington, where you have both Republicans and Democrats saying the same thing, which is get these agreements locked in with Palau, the FSM, and the Marshall Islands. I mean, these three countries may be the only thing that the Republicans and Democrats in the U.S. Congress agree on. Both sides of the aisle, both political parties have been vehement in calling for the executive branch to get things resolved and make sure to lock down these agreements for the long term and to address island issues. Not, I mean, it's not a belligerent sort of thing. They've been quite supportive of, of addressing island issues that have been brought up. But the point is, is that it's a overriding issue now, this security situation because of the geopolitical struggle between Beijing and Washington.